This is The Guardian. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates, and this is The Full Story. During the federal election campaign, which is coming to an end ever so soon, Guardian reporters have been speaking to people around the country, and today we're hearing from the voters of Western Sydney. The major parties are eyeing off three marginal Western Sydney electorates, which are home to some of the most culturally diverse communities in Australia, and to a tonne of swinging voters. So, have Labor or the Coalition managed to change the minds of voters in Western Sydney? And why is this area so important and elusive in federal elections? Today, the showdown in Western Sydney. It's Wednesday, the 18th of May. I mean, where did you grow up, Mick, versus where did you grow up, Mustafa? So I grew up in Campbelltown, which is on the southwest fringe of Sydney. Michael McGowan is Guardian Australia's New South Wales state correspondent. It's sort of like working class or ex-working class, white families. I don't know how to explain growing up in Campbelltown. It feels completely isolated from any other sort of centre in Sydney, at least when you're growing up there. I grew up in Bankstown and most of the time stayed in and around that area. Mustafa Rashwani is a reporter at Guardian Australia. So around Lakimba, uh, Reevesby and Panania, and uh, Condal Park, Yuguna, so all around those kind of areas. And, you know, growing up in many ways, we did feel separate to the rest of Sydney. Like we wouldn't necessarily leave out of, I guess, a fear of, you know, racism and things like that. But also because it was comfortable, uh, it was a known kind of force, I guess. So it is interesting, though, because we both grew up in Western Sydney, but we grew up in, like, very, very different Western Sydney environments, which goes to, I think, some of what this is about, which is how impossible Western Sydney is to talk about as, like, a place. Because it's made up of so many different areas that are so different. Personal connections to Western Sydney aside, in the lead up to this election, you've both been out and about reporting in this area and a bunch of different electorates. First question I want to know is how many times have the leaders been out and about in Western Sydney over this past few months? Mick? Well, if we're talking about Scott Morrison, it's a lot. (laughs) He's been to Parramatta more than five times overall. He was at the Western Sydney Jobs Fair in Homebush last Tuesday. Um, And he's also done a a campaign rally in in Sydney Olympic Park. It's great to be here with Greater Western Sydney. How good? He was also at the Eid prayer in Parramatta. And I think it was the first time a sitting prime minister had ever actually attended the Eid prayer, which is really significant. Um, And in his speech, he compared uh, breaking the Ramadan fast um, to emerging out of the pandemic. So I'm very pleased to join with this community of faith today and to thank you for your devotion and your dedication and your faithfulness because it makes Australia stronger. But he also acknowledged that the Muslim community is a valued part of Australia's uh, multiculturalism. Assalamu alaikum. And has Albanese been out in Western Sydney as, as much as Morrison, Mick? He was in Parramatta a couple of weeks ago. Well, thank you so much and thank you for... The very warm welcome here this evening. 
for a, a community dinner that was organised by the Hindu Council of Australia. I have a great love for India. But we haven't seen him as much as we've seen Scott Morrison. Mm. And what is the reception to Morrison been like in Western Sydney from what both of you have seen? Are, are people happy that Morrison's been spending so much time in Western Sydney, most of us? Well, look at the Eid prayers. It was a really mixed reception. Uh, some people were really appreciative of his appearance. They, they kind of appreciated that he took their votes seriously. Yes, I definitely think it's magnificent because whether we like it, or not, like it or not, he's our Prime Minister and he's coming for the people coming to have a chat with the people, yeah. so it means a lot to us. Yeah. Do, you, do you think it's important and good that he's campaigning for the Muslim vote? Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. It means that he's, um, we're part of the community now. That's, you know, that's what it's about, yeah? So it's, it's actually a good feeling. So a lot of people at the Aid Prayer thought Morrison was only there to, to kind of campaign for their votes. I thought he was here to get the Muslim vote, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't necessarily a completely negative reaction to that. Do you think that's a good thing? Um, overall, yeah, I'm happy with the fact that he was here. Um, because, yeah, we, we need the Muslim community to be more recognised. To kind of turn up to Parramatta Aid Prayer, which is not necessarily one of the biggest, it's, it's, it's one of the smaller aid prayers in Sydney, um, to them it felt like it was registering that they are voters and that this is a marginal seat and that they matter. Um, but obviously to others it was seen as just merely a symbolic gesture that, he, you know, the Prime Minister only turns up during the election and not when, you know, when it matters, say, for example, during the pandemic. It's a nice and generous act, but if I'm going to be honest, it's just all about political gains for the social media. After labouring us suburbs of concern, you know, it's weird for him to be here, so that's what I can yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. It's politics, man. <laughs> they'll they say whatever they want right now. Then after everything, we'll go back to normal. What do you think of Scott being here today? I think it's really annoying. Like, I don't want to see him on Eid, so... Why do you want to see him on Eid? He's just, like, annoying. Like, I don't want him here. Like, I don't want to, like, be praying and have him sitting at the front. Oh, I actually didn't even realise he was here. He's at the front. He yeah, you know why he's here? He's here because of his elections. Um, 21st of May, elections coming up. Every, all the dogs are here for their bones. That's what they are here for. So, Mick, why is Morrison visiting Western Sydney so much? I mean, what is the significance of this area to this election? Well, I think, okay, so just like speaking generally, Western Sydney is like the golden goose for both major parties. There's a lot of electorates out there. A lot of them are marginal or or have been marginal at some point. And I think there is often been in election cycles a feeling that, well, if the parties can figure out Western Sydney and if they can figure out how to make... (laughs) you know, various communities across Western Sydney vote for them, they're going to be in a very, very strong position. I mean, like traditionally it was Labor sort of heartland. Mm. And as demographics have have changed and as sort of like politics of the working class have changed, that's become harder for Labor and, and, and has opened opportunities for the coalition. Right. So there's three marginal seats in Western Sydney. Two are held by the coalition. One is held by Labor. And that's the seat of Parramatta. Mick, you went to Parramatta. Tell me about what we need to know about it. So the electorate of Parramatta is, is very demographically different. So, for example, the suburb of, of Harris Park, which is near the CBD, has a large Indian Australian population. And then and then other parts of Parramatta, you know, there's, there's pockets of large Chinese Australian population, Arabic-speaking population, you know, Korean Australian people. And, you know, it's, it's just a very mixed and diverse electorate. 
So in this specific election, I think you can read Morrison being in Parramatta so many times in a couple of ways. Um, One is that they genuinely think they might have a shot at winning Parramatta because it's a a marginal electorate where the, the sitting Labor MP, Julie Collins, is retiring and the Labor Party have introduced Andrew Charlton as the new candidate. Now, Andrew Charlton lived in Bellevue Hill in the eastern suburbs in a, you know, multi-million dollar home. He's a, a you know, a white guy in an electorate that's very diverse. Mm. He's a Oxford-educated um, economist who, you know, worked for Kevin Wright. He's sort of, you know, part of this sort of Labor Party elite milieu, right? Mm. Um, and I think the, the coalition sees that as an opportunity. Like this guy, they would say, was the wrong candidate. There's been controversy about his candidacy. You know, we've seen articles about him not being able to name his three favourite restaurants, right, uh, <laughs> in Parramatta, which, like, in his defence, I would struggle to name three restaurants in my area. Just Come I on. I just <laughs> don't know, the, I don't know there, the names of things, right? There like, are standouts. Maybe there are standouts. Yeah, sorry. So, like, you, you, that's one way to interpret it, that they genuinely think they can win Parramatta. There's a, there's a less positive interpretation, which is that Morrison is really, you know, we know he's on the nose in a bunch of um, – electorates that, that are being contested by the Teal Independents, right? He mm-hmm. can't go there. They, they don't want him there, right? He can't spend all his time campaigning in sort of safe liberal seats because that's a really defensive way of running a campaign and would seem like th- they're in trouble if he's if he's constantly, you know, in his own seats, firming up his own territory. It doesn't look good for the coalition. So you could say that maybe this is about optics, right? He's, he, he's, he's presenting a sort of you know, confident, aggressive kind of wearing with a shot kind of um, vision here. Right. So who is the Liberal Party's candidate? The uh, Liberal Party candidate in Parramatta is Maria Kovacic. She has made a big deal about uh, being a local, as you'd expect, because uh, trying to draw that contrast with Charlton, Scott Morrison has dubbed her the real eel because she's a a (laughs) long-time Parramatta Eels fan. It's, It's interesting, though, because, again, um, while the coalition is sort of putting out signals that they, they're confident in the seat, she had much lef- less of a presence in the electorate just on the ground in terms of, you know, signage and that, and that sort of thing. You, you saw less of Maria Kovacic. Did anyone know the local candidates that you spoke to and was there a wide awareness? So it's interesting. I mean, in Parramatta, I expected to hear a lot more about Andrew Charlton because his candidacy has been really controversial, right? The... The irony or the funny thing to me being that, and I don't know whether this is good or bad for Labor, but almost no one I spoke to knew who Andrew Charlton was, right? This is a campaign that's being, it's about Scott Morrison and it's about Anthony Albanese. That mm. That's what the campaign is about. But people I did speak to who did know Andrew Charlton overwhelmingly didn't see it as a, as a, a negative. Um, I spoke to um, one woman, Hannah, who just read the article about the restaurants when I was speaking to her. And she said, well, like, I've gone for jobs or I didn't know anything about the company. I still felt like I could do the job, right? Mm. Um, I also think Labor's ground game seems to be having a, a positive impact. They're doing a lot of letterboxing. There are signs everywhere. Um, and and a, a, a number of people who I spoke to had, had met Charlton around in, in Harris Park, for example, um, three men who, who were ecstatic about Andrew Charlton because he'd been to their uh, temple in Rose Hill. Yes, Do you know yes. who you're going to vote for? Yeah. Yes. Who? Yes, yes. Who? No, no, Mr. Charlton. Mr. Charlton. 
Mr. Charlton. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Good man. Yeah. How do you know him? No. He was come before 10 days at our Swamina temple. We love Charlton too much. Okay. Yeah. Too yeah. much. You will. Too much. Mm. I mean, Parramatta isn't the only seat in contention in Western Sydney, or at least the only marginal seat in Western Sydney. There's also the seats of Lindsay and Reid that are Liberal held that you have both gone to in the, the election. I'm wondering if we can break down a little bit about the contests there. Mustafa, can you tell me about the seat of Lindsay? Where is it and what do we need to know about it? So Lindsay is based around Penrith and includes places like Londonbury, um, St Mary's and Kingswood. So in Lindsay, there's a strong Arab population there, with Arabic being the second most spoken language. But there's also a strong Pacifica community in and around Penrith, as well as Indian and Chinese communities. Importantly, the area faces a significant amount of socioeconomic disadvantage. Um, so it is, I would say, a swing seat. So it's changed hands a couple of times. It has been held for a while by the Liberals in the, in the 90s going into the 2000s. Um, but it's it's in the past 13 or 14 elections, it's been won by the party that forms government. So in terms of the actual candidate at the moment, the incumbent is Melissa McIntosh. And she has a pretty significant presence. Um, there's a fair amount of posters around um, and her volunteers were at Westfield as well. Um from what I could tell from my own limited time in Lindsay, there weren't too many posters for Trevor Ross, who is a Labour candidate there. Uh, Ross is a firefighter. Uh, he's been a firefighter for around 40 years. He was also part of the firefighters union. So both candidates declined to be interviewed. Uh, but just from my time over there, I spent around two days in, in Lindsay. There wasn't a strong sense of an election happening. There wasn't a sense of uh, an occasion or a building up to a particular date. It was a little bit dead. So... What did voters think of the leaders and the candidates? What did people tell you about what they thought of the parties? They were really, really deeply unimpressed mm. um, with both parties. There was particular criticism reserved for the Prime Minister. I don't think he represents what a true Australian is. Oh, really? Go no, on, I don't. Please. When all the disasters happened, I heard he was on a... Wasn't he on a holiday with his family? That's right, in Hawaii. That's, that's when we needed him the most, I yeah. feel. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people haven't forgotten that. Right. You know, right. so that's that's never going to leave my mind. Right, yeah, right. And when we're voting for him constantly, that's, I'm not going to... I'm not going to forget that. So 100%, I'm never voting for him again after he's done that. that. People brought up, for example, how he dealt with the bushfires, how he dealt with the vaccine mandates, how he dealt with women. Um, so the, the people did have sticking points against him. But on the flip side... Most people I spoke to did had nothing to say about Albanese. So I spoke to Grace and Tama. Could I get you ages? I get 21. 21. And they said something similar. They essentially told me they wouldn't be able to recognise Albanese if they saw him on the street. I've only heard bad things too. Like, I just hear bad things about them. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've never heard of him. I don't even, I wouldn't even know a face if I seen it. So in Lindsay, housing was a massive and recurring uh, problem. Uh, people brought up kind of the complexity of it. For example, uh, the new apartment blocks going up um, without without kind of like cheaper or uh, cheaper housing uh, for people coming from low socioeconomic backgrounds. And obviously, in a place like Lindsay and Penrith, with a history of you know uh, people struggling uh, financially, that it was a problem. It was an obvious problem that people were unable to find um, housing. And, and the couple I brought up earlier, Grace and Tama, they told me that you know it's very unfortunate that some people. Uh, on the street that there is a homelessness problem in that region. And yeah. Especially around here, there's a lot. Like, I work for housing myself, so yeah. um, there's a lot. Like, uh, there's a lot of homeless people, you know, and it's pretty sad, like, we don't have that affordability to be able to help them. Whilst these 
you know, amazing glistening new apartment blocks go up all around them. Mm. In Western Sydney in particular, um, housing prices have shot up considerably. In Lindsay alone, um, prices have gone up 20.7% compared to the national average of 4.3%. And I think locals want to see some kind of measure to address this and, and not be worried about it. It was It was so recurring. So many people told me that it was their greatest fear that they'd never be able to buy. Buying a house, oh, I think to buy a house, yeah. of course I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's my goal, you know, mm-hmm. everybody's goal in on the future. They want to buy a house, but I think it's very hard, especially like I'm 30 year old and very, very hard. Like you have to work two works or maybe three works uh, to make income, a big income just to buy a house, otherwise it's very, very expensive. Definitely someone that's interested in buying my first home. Yep. And with everything that's going on, the the interest rate increases. Now I'm petrified. I don't know when's right. the right time to get in or... Right, right, right. It just makes me feel a constant sense of uncertainty. Right. I just want to know where my life's heading in the next 10 years. Yeah. And with Scott Morrison and Albanese, I don't know where they're going to take things that they they would be priced out, they would have to move, that this was their region, and they just don't feel like it's being substantially addressed by other party. Um, So, yeah, there is a sense that this is a region that is changing. Next, the seat that Labor is confident it can flip and how global issues hit home in Western Sydney. Mick, you went to Reid. Where is that electorate and what do we need to know about the, the contest there? Yeah, so Reid's actually, it's a really weird seat because it sort of starts in the inner west suburbs around Dremoyne and Five Dock, which is sort of upper middle class um, and, you know, quite affluent areas. But then the demographics as you move further west become very different. You, know, you sort of move into somewhere like Burwood, Strathfield, Homebush, much more diverse. So Reid has a, a really large um, Chinese-Australian population, You know, has one of the largest um, Mandarin-speaking populations of any electorate in, in Australia. And issues like cost of living are a much more centre of mind. Whereas in somewhere like Dremoyne, you know, voters are talking about climate change talking about federal integrity agencies, Mm. it's like there's a lot of sort of demographic uh, overlap between the sort of eastern suburb seats of, of, you know, like Wentworth and and North Sydney, right? Right. In Des Moines, you've got harbourside seats where you might have a luxury pool next to the water. Literally, right? Like you you walk around the water at Des Moines and there's the sort of, you know, the big ultra-rich homes. It's a really wealthy part of Mm. Sydney. And what about the candidates in Reid? Yeah, so the sitting MP is Fiona Martin, who's a Liberal MP. Um, she's a moderate. She's one of the the MPs who crossed the floor over the religious discrimination bill in the last parliament. The the coalition's held the seat since 2013, but before that it had always been an ALP seat dating back to the, the 1970s. Mm. The boundaries of it have changed a lot over time, but the um, the ALP is, is very confident that they can win it back. So Sally Sitow is the Labor candidate in Reid. She's an academic. She's the the daughter of Chinese parents who fled Laos after the the Vietnam War, and she lives in uh, in Homebush, which is in the electorate. She was endorsed in in October last year, so she's been on the ground for for quite a while campaigning. Hmm. 
We have seen this issue about whether candidates represent their electorate come up time and time again, but particularly in Western Sydney. And I know in Reed, Fiona Martin has made a point of the fact that Sally Sitow didn't grow up in the seat. But on the flip side, she does kind of represent the cultural diversity of this area. What's the cultural background of the candidates raised by voters that either of you spoke to? You know, I asked I asked people this when I was in um, in Lindsay, and actually, to be honest with you, they they did not care. It didn't matter to them that that um, the kind of ethnic background of the of their um, representative. They said to mm. me a couple times that it was more about their competence and whether or not they were able to kind of represent what they wanted and their views and their concerns. In saying that, though, obviously, I think that there are kind of concerns with candidates being kind of parachuted in, especially when local potential candidates could fulfill the role. Um, And I think people do want to see leadership opportunities opened up for, uh, you know, quote unquote, diverse candidates. Okay, back to Reid. We've got a Liberal seat that covers very different demographics and Labor reckons it's poised to flip. What do the voters say, especially about the major parties? I think it was really mixed. A lot of the voters, the, the sort of existing Liberal Party voters that I spoke to felt that in a lot of ways, Scott Morrison has been treated unfairly. He's been okay, but, like, I know that there's been a lot of criticism, but I think overall, I mean, he can't really control what we've been through. Like, you know, he can't control coronavirus. I I have some respect for him. There's a sense that, you know, he handled the pandemic well, you know, people didn't lose their jobs, they were safe. I actually am probably going to vote for ScoMo. From what's gone on over the past two years... I actually don't think he's done a bad job and I know that people all whinge about bits and pieces but in the real scope of things, he's done pretty good. I mean, I don't think I've ever... I did not not work a day. Um, my kid had daycare looked after. It was handled as well as could be expected, which is obviously a line that the government has been really keen to push mm. during this whole campaign. But I think in Reid, interestingly, if we sort of focus on Dremoyne for a second, which... I mentioned earlier, has, you know, this sort of demographic which is um, really in line with with the sort of the kinds of seats that we think uh, may be moving away from the Liberal Party, the sort of, you know, upper middle class affluent populations. Because those people were concerned about climate change, federal integrity agencies, there was a real visceral dislike of Scott Morrison and you had lifelong Liberal Party voters saying all of a sudden... I think I'm going to vote for Labor mm. for the first time or I don't know what who to vote for. I'm really torn. I don't, you know, I don't know what to do, I, but I can't bring myself to vote for Scott Morrison. Uh, usually I've always voted for Liberals. Yeah, all right. I'm a pro-Liberal. So why have you changed this time? Because of <laughs> Scott Morrison. <laughs> what about Scott Morrison? He's just a hypocrite um, and... So I think it's the external image, like the portrayal of the international image, the climate change stuff that he hasn't been able to action. That's a big, big thing as well. Not that I think the climate change was the biggest thing, and yeah, just the the laughable reputation he has um, internationally. It just makes a mockery of Australia. And you know, there's half of us, like a lot of us, who are pro climate change. It just makes us look like we're trying to like sell coal to everyone and anyone (laughs) but we're not (laughs) we're not like that um so yeah that's probably why but i can't stress enough how much the electorate changes when you move a little further west you know climate change isn't as high up on the list of priorities what were some of the other big policies that people wanted to see in reed mick 
One of the interesting things about both these actually was how often healthcare came up as a, a key issue for people. Have you decided who you're going to vote for? Uh, no, not yet. Probably Labor. Probably Labor? Yeah. What's making you lean that way? Oh, just our Prime Minister at the moment's sort of, he's uh, ruining our country. Just his stance on Medicare and, uh, you know, the general public. Yeah. And it, it's interesting because it suggests that Labor's campaigning on Medicare has had um, some cut through because a number of people I spoke to said, you know, protecting Medicare, improving Medicare, um, cheaper access to medicine was, was like a really huge issue. Both parties have made various promises about cheaper access to, to medicines. The other issue, though, and it, this is one of those things where sort of the, the sort of mindset of a voter doesn't necessarily you know, stick to what is a federal issue. So I spoke to quite a number of um, like nurses, for example, who were talking about their pay and, and the need for a pay rise. I'm a nurse, you know, so usually we vote for labour. And we really need that pay, that pay rise. I feel like they don't understand or they just don't care. They spend too much money on other stuff. And that's like an ongoing industrial dispute in New South Wales. But it does speak to cost of living, which was also um, the major issue that was that people were talking about. Every, the cost of everything is going up, but our wages have stayed the same. Everyone's salary going up. Every single stuff cost going up. When you go for shopping, you'll see that uh, salt, milk, everything price has gone up. But as a doctor, we no, are... Our salary didn't go up. Foreign policy was maybe more of an issue than, than you would think, and that's because in these really diverse electorates, what's happening in the countries that they have cultural or family links to matters quite a lot, right? So I spoke to a number of voters in Reid, for example, uh, who are either first-generation um, migrants from China or you know, second-generation Chinese-Australians who are really concerned about the relationship between China and Australia and the way that's deteriorated over the term of this government. I'm really pissed off with Morrison. Yeah. yeah. So, because I'm Chinese, yeah, he damaged the relationship with China, especially trading. I don't think he does, uh, you know, good job. Had enough with Scott. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who did you vote for last time? Uh, the Liberal. Like yeah. I really want the government to fix the relationship with China, that's all. Not, not so much because they felt, you know, targeted by some of the, the sort of rhetoric that's been thrown around, but um, because they were concerned on a sort of pragmatic level, right? Like, you know, if I own a small business or if my, you know, parents own a small business that relies on imports from China, are we going to have to pay more for it? Are we going to go out of business? The flip side of that is I spoke to a few um, Indian Australians who were quite pleased about the free trade agreement that the government signed with uh, Narendra Modi in, in India. I come from India, so definitely the relations with the India and Australia has strengthened over the years. Uh, I came in 2015 and I see a drastic change and how the India and Australia relations have gone uh, amazing. So definitely, like, I, I would support him. And we're happy about the sort of improving relationship and ties between the two countries.
from my own like reporting and engaging with the Indian community, the Indian travel ban figured massively in their decision making and in kind of how they feel about the election. Mm. They were extremely upset uh, about how how the decision was made, um, and it figured in a recent survey from the Indian Link, which is a community based media platform, which found a lot of people uh, were were still hurting about the situation. I think what was interesting about that survey, which found that both uh, the community was kind of in a dead heat between the two parties, was that. of respondents were actually unmoved by the Prime Minister's Curry Night selfies, which have been a recurring kind of feature of his his Facebook. He's posted three Curry selfies uh, (laughs) during this campaign. Uh, that's a pretty massive chunk of the community saying that this this kind of campaigning for their votes isn't working. Maybe post less Curry selfies and think about the real policies that you have and foreign policies with other countries and how it affects people here. How it affects people and how it affects the entire community collectively. They felt ignored. Mm. So we're talking about a lot of different issues here, housing, foreign policy with different countries, you know, diversity. I mean, it sounds like neither party has cracked what you've called the golden goose of Western Sydney because you have to crack all these different issues, right? Would you say that's fair to say, Mick? Yeah, I just think it's uh, it's a difficult um, region or part of the country to sort of... Narrow cast to. Exactly, mm. right? You're mm-hmm. talking about very different different communities with different concerns and different issues. Um, and you're right, I don't think either party has fully got a, a grasp on that yet. Mm. Mm. I think the complexities come from the, the, the incredible diversity uh, coming from... I mean, if you, you, those three seats, Reed, Parramatta and Lindsay, um, you have some really different communities, really different kind of class-based communities, really different ethnic communities, it would be extremely difficult to kind of micro-message micro or micro-target anyone there because you would just be missing other people. There's a lot of growing political literacy in a lot of young communities out in Parramatta. And when I say young, as in they might have migrated in the past five to ten years um, and the political literacy is skyrocketing across these communities where there's a sense of, well, actually, what do we want and what kind of leader do we want? Do we want a leader that reflects, say, for example, if you religious, reflect religious uh, conservative values? So it does sometimes feel like there's a tipping point approaching in the sense that whether or not these kind of uh, largely safe seats uh, historically uh, will start becoming marginal for, for the reasons of these kind of minority communities growing in, in terms of their political uh, understandings. And there's, there are demands for more substantial engagement. This is what I keep hearing over and over again. We want more substantial engagement. We want more substantial engagement. And the reality is, I'm not sure either party knows what that looks like um, and, and how that would even work. That was Mustafa Raswani, a reporter at Guardian Australia, and Michael McGowan, New South Wales State Correspondent, You can find more of The Guardian's election coverage at theguardian.com, including Michael and Mustafa's articles on Reid, Lindsay and Parramatta. We've linked to those on the Full Story page. You can also listen to Full Story's campaign catch-up, which is our daily short election update, telling you everything you need to know as the campaign reaches that 21st of May deadline. It's in the feed in the afternoon every day. This episode was produced by Karishma Luthria and Ellen Lee Beater. Sound design and mixing by Daniel Simo. The executive producers of Full Story are Miles Mattignoni, Gabrielle Jackson and me, Laura Murphy-Oates. Okay, catch you next time.